Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi there, this is Greg Legro. And this is Jamie Dew. Of Fully and Completely. Um, You're listening to... <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fully and Completely, the podcast where every, oh, couple weeks, I think we're looking at, we go through every Tragically Hip album in chronological order. We're going to be talking about the album, how it was recorded, who produced it, the tracks on it. We're going to be talking about music of the time period, when it came out, what it was up against, what was going on in the world, in Canada. Uh, very Canadian band, obviously. So we're going to talk about news of Canada, sports of Canada, things that are Canadian that we like. Jesus Christ, that sounds like a lot. It's a lot of shit, man. It's a lot of work. Look, there's a lot of things going around these albums. <laughs> okay. It's not just the albums. There's an experience going on, and we were there for it. My name is Greg Legro. I'm Jamie Dew. And it's nice to see you, buddy. Nice to see you, too. I'm very excited for this episode. This is a good one. We're, we're getting into the wheelhouse now, I would yeah. say. This is, well, even, like, this is the, uh, uh, this is a big moment. Like, I feel like, you know, uh, the first episode was the first episode, but this is almost like the first episode. I think right? so, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is the like beginning of many, this is like Acts of Enormity itself. Oh. This is where it all starts. Yeah, oh, you like wow. that? See that? That was very good. I know. Um, oh, man. This, uh, it's October 1992. What a great, I, I got this record for Christmas, but I got nice. it early. I ripped it open early and oh, yeah. started listening to it right away. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I also acquired this through my uh, Nito job. Fuck. Yeah, nice, right? Right. And I got a free t-shirt with it. Really? Yeah. With the cool... The album cover, yeah, yeah. Which I think was one of the coolest album covers. One of their better album covers, which has been a misstep for them here and there. (laughs) Just not a misstep, but like a, hmm. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Doesn't always fit. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I got the... uh, I got a cassette and a free t-shirt. It was was a a 1992 t-shirt, though, so very wide sleeves. (laughs) (laughs) Bell, bell yeah. sleeves. Yeah, extremely big T-shirt. Uh, very <laughs> uncomfortable, but I uh, I wore it to pieces. Um, October 1992. Uh, this is a statement album from the band. I I think so too. I think that there was a lot going on behind the scenes. I think. Oh. From, uh, so much happened. Push perspective. Yep, their label. Um, and it's just a big year in general. This is a, this is a the, the 90s are underway now. We're two years into them. The tone has uh, culturally shifted in North America. Um, there's all kinds of things going on. Our uh, beloved hockey in Canada. I'll tell you a little bit about that. The 1992 yeah, uh, Stanley Cup finals. Uh, you had the uh, Blackhawks of Chicago. That's where yep. I'm from. Uh, getting into oh. the finals for the first time in a long time yeah. at this point. Uh, and they were going up the against the defending Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Unstoppable, Mario Lemieux. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jameer Jagars. Yeah, yeah. And it was like looking good for Chicago in game one. They were up four to one in the first game. Oh, wow. You know, Did like, they pull it out? No. 
uh, <laughs> Lemieux was like, fuck that. And then they come back and win that game and then sweep Chicago the fuck out of the series Jesus for the consecutive win. Um, but so exciting. This is, again, uh, if not for illness, Mario Lemieux really, really could have... Uh, uh, could have been something. Could have been maybe something more than Gretzky. Yeah, yeah. Possibly, possibly. Um, and I, you, almost, you almost got to think now we talked about all the, the fun of the Grey Cup and the uh, Rocket Ishmael comes to Toronto and the big Gretzky, John Candy... You know, let's make this, and it didn't really. No, it did not. It did not. And it's almost hard to talk about (laughs) at this. Yeah, but ninety ninety two is significant, and it's uh, Calgary Stampeders against uh, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Calgary wins because their brand new quarterback wins his first Grey Cup. Doug Flutie, Douglas Flutie. So there was a big more than the Ishmael thing and the John Candy thing. I think the thing that got people the most riled up and interested in the CFL for a period there was Flutie. He was uh, he was, was otherworldly. Flutie fever. I mean, he ca- he came into the league as the Boston College, yeah. you know, the Hail Mary, yeah. right? Like, that and was a big NFL deal. NFL flunky. <laughs> NFL flunky. <laughs> Didn't yeah. work out. He played no. for my Bears for a bit. Too, too short. Didn't work out. That's what they said. They said, too small. Can't do it, kid. Send you off to Canada where you will destroy everything he will flourish my god he came in so good first two years with bc he's the mvp of the uh, the regular season two years in a row then he makes his way to calgary and wins his first great cup more on that in other episodes though um so he was so good they let his brother play they really really did <laughs> they really they were like you know what fuck it dougie's got a brother get him in <laughs> um so 1992 has a lot of stuff going on yes not, not all of it's jolly Ninety two did as well. Not, what, what, what did I <laughs> you say? Eighty two. Did I say eighty two? Nineteen ninety two. I'm really riled up. I don't know why I'm yeah. correcting you. Thank you for fixing was, it. Yeah, well, people would have been I don't confused. want to confuse people. No, I don't. Thinking want they're going to get saxophone tragically up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody wants that. No. Um, not to be a, a huge like sadness moment of, but the beginning of the year, uh, the first uh, quarter of nineteen ninety two is the abduction and murder of Kristen French. Which oh is my God! Into the whole uh, Homoka. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bernardo Homoka. Yeah. That was, I mean, Which, that was a story that, as much as any story that I can think of in in this country, really it, stole the headlines. Yes. Well, it was because it was a culmination of years. Of, like it started in what eighty seven, the Scarborough Something, Rapist, the Scarborough right? Rapist. Yeah. I remember, like they handed out drawings at our school. I was in grade school, really? and they were like, because we were near the uh, where I went to school. It was kind of like in the strike zone. A little bit, Jesus. you know, and it was just like if, and it just looked like you know, a guy. It was hard to like. Okay, <laughs> watch out for that. Um, but it was like years building up, warning. When then people are going missing, and Kristen French is really the big one. And also, it's not he doesn't get arrested here. Uh, it's a couple years later, but they do take his DNA around this time because they question him, and he freely gives it. It's very uh, cocky. Anyway, that was it. Was a huge. Uh, Huge story in Canada. Um, let's talk about something else that's a little bananas. Uh, in uh, summer of 92 in Canada, Montreal, the big Guns N' Roses Metallica tour. James Hetfield is set ablaze. <laughs> <laughs> I had tickets to the show in Toronto, which was the next night, and it was canceled. Uh because they couldn't tour, and I only yeah. had tickets yeah. to see the opening band, Faith No More. Faith No More, fucking right. Which, when they rescheduled the thing, uh-huh. I took a bus from my hometown. Uh-huh. They had like a bus tour thing. Uh-huh. We got caught in traffic and got there just as they, Mike Patton was like, "Thank you, good night, oh fuck, or good afternoon, <laughs> or whatever." So yeah. I thought, I'm never going to see this band. 
I'm never yeah. going to see them. So yeah, Hetfield set of blaze and Axl Rose cuts the GNR set short because he claims uh, throat problems. So they don't even play for an hour. And they're like, that's it. That's it. And bedlam. <laughs> it was nutty. It I was remember reading about it. Madness. Oh, boy. How funny is that, though? I think I had to read about it in the paper. Yeah. You know, when it came out at four o'clock the next day or whatever. Oh, sure. Like, I didn't see it on the news because I wasn't a news watcher. Yeah, yeah. But I was a paper reader. Yeah, fair enough. I remember reading the paper. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice time. It's very relaxing. Um, some positive news. In October of 1992, the ban on homosexuals in the Canadian military is lifted following a legal challenge by Michelle Douglas. And that was a very big moment. There's lots happening. The, the, the tone is changing, man. Okay. You just blew my mind. Right. Because that is so long ago. Yeah. I mean, it's not long ago enough. No. But when you think about, you know, the country that we're dominated by news-wise. Yeah. Still going through some yeah. crazy stuff in the military. Yeah, there was wow, stuff going on. It was it was it was an nineteen ninety two. Ninety two. Yeah, October same month as our uh, album. That's right. Uh, that we're talking about. Also, uh, very sad. I'll just uh, just briefly, it's, I'd feel bad if I didn't say anything about it, or I feel like Gore would be mad at me if I didn't. Um, also, in nineteen ninety two was the Westray Mine explosion, which was a huge tragedy in uh, Nova Scotia. Uh, there was an underground uh, uh, methane explosion. And it took out uh, all 26 uh, miners who were working. There was a huge uh, bit recovery, of right? Like they tried, they tried, they, they tried, to? but it just yeah. They you were flashing me people. back. Yeah, man, it was a really. It was all over the news, and like the, the people were stunned because that's 26 people just yeah snapped out like that. These are all major things you've just said. Yeah, yeah. And you've had to you had to jog me there. Holy yeah. Jesus! Well, listen, we were teenagers, and when you're a teenager that is being fed the kind of popular culture we were in 1992. Yeah. It's easy to miss these things or they kind of get fogged over. And speaking of popular, popular culture, culture, let me talk about Canadian music in 1992. It wasn't right. just the hip. That's not that they, you know, they had a lot to compete with. If you wanted to shine in this time period, you really had to do something. Um, I think this was a, a big, big uh, starting point for Canadian, Canadian well, music. Let me tell you. Uh, 1992 sees uh, Gordon from the Bare Naked Ladies. Yep. Lost Together from Blue Rodeo. Uh, there's the Boot Sauce album in there, but no, this doesn't really matter. Hey, that, uh, that was a great. That was a great record. <laughs> we have uh, another one from the Box. Then it really blew up. Big Closer enough. together. Sure. Uh, Decade of the Box. Decade of the, the Box. Yeah. Oh, uh, Change great. of Heart. With Dynamite. Uh, yep. Toronto band. Um, and uh, Leonard Cohen, the future, Cowboy Junkies, Black Eyed Man, 5440, Dear Dear, Frontline Assem- Assembly, Tactical ne- Neural Implant. Um, we had a little bit from Head and Intermix, as well as Let's Let's Pit Trio, Moxie Fruvis <laughs> happened. Um, Northern Pikes had a big album that year. Rio Statics, Whale Music, that's a big all-timey one. Sky Diggers, Sloan uh, puts out Smeared. Um, what else to talk about? I don't know. Here's some silly stuff. Uh, Saskatoon's Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. won his first WWF Intercontinental Championship That's right. he in 1992. Yeah, he would lose it later that year to, to another Canadian Calgary Zone, uh, part of the Hart Foundation. Bret Hart won his first Intercontinental, and then a few months later would be the first Canadian WWF champion. And of course, he would hold on to uh, our hearts and minds until the Montreal screw job. Oh my. <laughs> We'll save that one for 97. Yeah, yeah, we'll wait. Uh, uh, there's something to talk about. Um, and I'd be remiss not to mention 1992, the Toronto Blue Jays become the first Canadian team and only Canadian team right. to win the World Series. 
That was amazing. That Against was the, a uh, fucking bonkers. The Braves of Atlanta. That's right. I'm not even really a big baseball fan, but I watched that and I lost my mind. <clears throat> Can I tell you something? I'm going to get international now. Oh, my God. To just quickly, like, again, if you wanted to, because this wasn't like you just Spotify and I have a clears everything and I just have everything. That's right. You had to pick what you bought, man. That's right. And you would go to the fucking record store. We would all go to the record store. You'd go to the to listening choose. post. Yeah, that's right. And listen. Do you know what came out this fucking year, 92? <laughs> I have a good idea, Holy but shit. you're going to okay. blow my mind. I'm going to go really what. fast. We're not right. going to talk about other artists because they, they have their own podcast, I'm sure. Okay, I'm going to go real quick here. R.E.M. Automatic for the People, Rage Against the Machine, self-titled, Slanted and Enchanted by Pavement, Dirt by Alice in Chains, <laughs> uh, The Chronic by Dr. Dre, Angel Dust by Faith No More, uh, Dirty by Sonic Youth, <clears throat> Sonic uh, Stone Temple Pilots Core, Beastie Boys, check your head. The Cure, Wish, Tom Waits, Bone Machine, uh, Pantera, Vulgar Display of Power, um, PJ Harvey, Dry, Neil Young, Harvest Moon, Lemonheads, It's a Shame About Ray. Like, oh my God, this is a big year. Morrissey, Your Arsenal, uh, Blind Melons, the, the B album. Um, uh, where are we here? Uh, Bizarre Ride 2 by The Far Side. Um, Nirvana's Incesticide. Uh, God, what's it? Henry's Dream, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Uh, Ride's got an album. Where else am I going here? Uh, this list is enormous, pardon me. But the, uh, these are not little albums. No. Uh, uh, Ministry, Psalm 69, Andy Lennox, Diva, Morphine, Good, uh, Soul Asylum's Breakthrough Record, Nine Inch Nails, Broken, Katie Lang's uh, Ingenue, Bon Jovi, Kept the Faith, and I still hate them for it. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, helmets, ween, pure guava. I'm not gonna read anymore. Enough, because these I'm there's like t- 10, 15 albums that I listed there that are like major albums of my life. You just that I made still listen five to five stone cold amazing mixtapes. Yeah, like with with just using that list. Oh yeah, More yeah, big way. big big year, big year. Unreal. And we talked about this with Road Apples in '91 going up against so much happening around you, you know, and when, when the, the, the landscape of music is changing so fast and bands that were like, hey, we're about, things are about to happen. We're Jesus Jones. You're <laughs> fucking, you're gone, man. It is over. <laughs> right here, right now. <laughs> Lights gone. out, baby. You and EMF, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Take these keyboards and go. Um. <laughs> but those were really big singles. Oh, right? like man. Giant. Listen, I had a, I had a, Spin magazine with Jesus Jones on the cover, and it was like, "Can Jesus Jones save rock and roll?" Meanwhile, no. The answer no. was no. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have uh, Gaffin releasing Incesticide just because, yeah, right. Like, I mean, just to try and get some More. Nirvana out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. Just like we're all freaking out because I mean, one album just changed fucking everything. <laughs> uh, th- this is statement time. If you're an existing band or you're debuting, like it has to land. You know, like that Rage Against the Machine album, it was there. That album cover, that band, that sound, those chants, like they fucking arrived. Oh, God. We had never heard right? anything like that. No. that uh, you, have to, you have to go grab something and take it and do your thing the best you can do. So here's the Tragically Hip. Two very successful Canadian albums. Yep. Um, and the hype is building. And they are pumping shit out fucking fast right now. This almost could have been like a too quick album. Or a Road Apples 2 which well, I don't know if that would have cut it. I'm well, sure people still would have liked we, it. It wouldn't have sold well. But we had 87 was the EP. Yep. 89 was up to here. Yep. 91 was Road Apples. And, and then 92. 92. So it was like, Here we go. Boom. A year later. 
We're going to come out with a record. Yeah. Um, new producer. New producer. On this record. You can pronounce his name I'm, again. I'm going to give it right? a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. Uh, uh, they moved on, and we moved to produced by uh, Chris Sangarides. Sangarides. Yes? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> he was like a uh, metal producer. Yeah. Yeah. Judas Priest, Thin Lizzy, Inge Malmsteen, Depeche Mode, Tom Jones, <laughs> Yeah. Concrete Blonde, Black Sabbath, Concrete Blonde. Oh fuck, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I was I was in Concrete Blonde. I had my, I had my bloodletting phase. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good record. <laughs> that really fits in. Actually, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and it's a different feel. It's very different, big yeah. time. They went to England to re- record it, so yeah, it wasn't like they they weren't uh, wined and dined on the last two records. They went to Memphis and they went to New Orleans. Yeah, but this one they're going to. England. A big, I mean, I remember watching on the CBC video of the studio space, and it was like an enormous board, an enormous room that they were recording in. Mm -hmm. It was just very different. The the words that you used when we talked about those last two records were sweaty. Yeah. And, you know, really groove, Mm -hmm. you know, based. Mm -hmm. And this record is, they open it up. Yeah. They really open things up. But it's still got that, you know, sort of. Yeah, it's the punch is still there. It's the yeah. same band, but it's it's a different still bar music. It's really it's elevated. You it's know, it's like we're going to take a big leap here, and we're on the world stage now. You know. Yeah. And that's what this album's intended to do. The label is behind it. Like this is going to be our big push in America. That's right. And we want it to sound ready for America. Yep. You're going to be your where you're going to be Canada's REM or something. Something like we that. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, and they embrace the fact that we had a. a frontman yeah that was enigmatic yes and the vocals were pushed way up there way up there mm-hmm. the music videos he was front and center oh yeah and the four guys were sort of in the back yeah which i think went against sort of their ethos but still it was what we would this was the tragically hip mm-hmm. that everybody would understand to be the tragically hip yeah um and the push was ready the label was like ready and they just kind of i guess the label thought uh easy peasy this one's in the can yeah I nice think so. catchy crisp clean production album here yeah shouldn't be too hard we'll put some posters up and off you go yeah flashy colorful posters yeah very colorful it's a great album cover again it, yeah. really, it catches the eye um here's the problem uh when it doesn't immediately catch attention in the united states emi their label pulls all American uh, press and push on it after two weeks. I did not know yeah. this. They're like, nope, out. How Stop spending money. How do they determine two fucking weeks? So clearly, they yeah. spent money on this record. Oh yeah, they spent money on the promotion. They spent yeah. money on the music videos, etc., yeah. etc. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they were willing to pull the plug that After fast. A two-week push in the States, and they're like, fuck it, it's not working. Sorry, you're only good in Canada. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Craziness, right? Really weird. Yeah. But uh, it catches a lot of attention in Canada. Big time. And this is, this is the you know, I, they, they never have a song quite as enormous or, uh, uh, you know, a song that could replace the Canadian national anthem like New Orleans is sinking again. That stays there as this, like, special yeah. little song. But this, this album's the moment. I would they say they go from being, you know, uh, adored uh, or enjoyed by Canadians to like, it's our fucking band, man. <laughs> exactly. 
I mean, they did uh, their. It's big. There's like six singles off of this fucking record. They did their first um, uh, arena. I mean, they did a full on arena tour, mm-hmm. and they also did a summertime roadside attraction tour. Right. It was the first roadside from this. I was that was in sure. ninety. It was in ninety three, but it was on but the back still, of this but, record. Yeah, okay, it was them. Israel, yeah, because this them was with Midnight Oil and yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Cool pick, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, and that fits nicely. Yeah. Midnight Oil with the hip for sure. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a huge moment. Um, and it's instant locked in the trunk of a car is a kind of strange when you think about it now, a strange lead single, but as you said, extremely, uh, solid for the time period really made sense. And it's got this great kind of mysterious video and it's like, what in the hell is he talking about? And it really just took off. And then every, every video that came out following that was another fucking huge hit, huge hit, huge hit. And they were fucking everywhere they were they were that that was that like going into that christmas that i bet you that was the i mean i, I wish we could find out the the data you should have kept yeah. all your chart magazines yeah 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 but i i wouldn't <laughs> be surprised if that was the record that that holiday season because i mean oh yeah like, i mean coming out well, in october, october well, right? right yeah so, yeah for sure and that's when you would buy um physical albums as gifts that's for people. Absolutely, yeah. Put it on my Christmas list. I would like the Tragically Hit, please. The other thing that's really interesting about the lead single, um, Locked in the Truck of a Car, mm-hmm. is it comes from that uh, that bootleg that was really popular at the time. It's called Roxy, Roxy Music and Elsewhere, mm-hmm. 1991. Mm-hmm. And they played the Roxy in 1991, and I put it on one of the previous episodes but the version of Highway Girl, where they do mm-hmm. a song, where they do a Gord does a rant in the middle called "Double Suicide," and he talks in that song in 1991 about finding a place that's dark and rotten, mm-hmm. a place where the police helicopters will never spot us. I destroyed the map that I so carefully dotted. Every day we were dumping bodies, she and me, mm-hmm. every single day, awesome. and we laughed about it. And um, so, for for fans that were doing the bootleg thing and listening to all that bullshit, they had a little extra reward, you know? There was right. that, uh, that uh, little well, bonus there. What a neat little thing they do where there's like this, if you're really paying attention, you know, there's... Oh, uh, man. Like, it's like teasers or, you know, or uh, uh, post-credit scenes in Marvel movies That's now. You know what? That's a really <laughs> great example. That's really what it was like. Yeah. Did I, am I going to knock it over? Oh, no, no. I'm just okay. asking if you want another one. Oh, yeah. I would love another yeah. 100th Meridian beer. I'm drinking 100th Meridian <laughs> beer, man. <laughs> just want to make, sure yeah. make sure those pipes are... Yeah, uh, no. They're getting smooth and loose. <laughs> man, oh. man, you know what else? I, I'm going to touch back again. Again. Sure. Yeah, how much is going I, on I, musically in 92? I'm opening it for the you. The Bodyguards. Yeah, hey, please. Thank you. The Bodyguard soundtrack. Oh, God. Oh, God, indeed. Uh, the Singles soundtrack. Which was, what a great record. Yeah, and what a terrible movie. Uh, <laughs> that's what, That was a consensus back then anyway. Just like, oh, great like soundtrack. That, that movie sucks. Um, but yeah, I, oh, fuck it, I wore that tape out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, neato. Oh, 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 oh and uh, you had uh, uh, Arrested Development with their Ooh. big album. Before there was a TV show, there was a crappy hip-hop group. There was this band, right? This Mr. Wendell, band. yeah. That was a big... Big big jam. This shit was huge, Rusted Development. Yeah. They're Sly and the Family Stone ripoff joints. I uh, I once read something about them that I always thought was the perfect critique of Arrested Development. 
It was uh, Arrested Development, Mr. Wendell, which is a condescending song about being nice to homeless people. This is what hip-hop would sound like had Sting invented it. (laughs) (laughs) That's... Oh, Gordon. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> That's really nice. Uh. <laughs> That's so great. It really kind of nails it for me. Um, okay, so I want to get into this record. Let's, oh, let, man. Let's do our track-by-track track little thingy thing we do. Yeah. This is exciting for me. Yeah, it really is. Um, okay, well, track one is Courage. <laughs> This song is no mistake as track one, uh, and also a huge significance that it's Courage for Hugh McLennan. Hugh McLennan is an author, um, and he wrote a few books uh, that Gord was a big fan of, particularly The Watch That Ends the Night. Hugh McLennan was, uh, as an author, uh, very well known for being uh, uh, one of the first authors in Canada to really embrace his surroundings and tell the stories of small towns in his homeland. Like, he was telling the people's stories in small nooks and crannies. And this is, I think, influenced Gord in an enormous way, because this is the album where he really leans into that. Absolutely. For the first time, and, it's, and it stays there. This is like a mission statement. Two things I want to add. Uh, Two Solitudes, another giant uh, novel by mm-hmm. McLennan. Yeah. You know, evocative of the French and and English divide in this country. And we were really racing toward that at this point in time as well. Mm-hmm. I think Charlottetown happened two years later, the Charlottetown Accord. So yeah. it was like we were we were bumping up against all this stuff. And the other thing that I just think is amazing, and this is where Gord Downey, to me, shows some real balls. Mm-hmm. Because he takes an actual passage from the McLennan, from that book. Yeah. And turns it into the bridge. Yeah. And there's no rhyme. No, it shouldn't work. It shouldn't work, <laughs> really but it does. Do you, do you have the lyrics there? Um, uh, no, I don't right in front of me. Here okay. we go. So there, there's no simple explanation yeah, yeah. for anything important any of us do. And you have the human tragedy consistent with the necessity under living, pressure. Under pressure. Living with the consequences. Living with the consequences. Under pressure. Under, under pressure. Under pressure. No rhymes that is not in lyrical structure no. by any means, but he makes it quite... Uh, catchy and memorable. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's just like yeah, that's the verse. He's like, I want to write about this. I'm not going to write it better, so I'm just going to sing it. Yeah, <laughs> and this became later on uh, when we get into probably the last five or six hip records and definitely mm-hmm. his solo stuff. Yeah, it became what he did. Yeah, it really became what he did. 
he wasn't about couplets or no, you no, know no. anything like that. It was very free. Yeah, he's really, really starting to stretch as a lyricist and vocalist. Yeah, and that that elusive cadence of his that we've talked about a couple of times is really starting to take shape. Yeah, this is a huge leaping point uh, for them as artists. This album um, and courage is just a it's a great opener it's a great it, it's in a, a in a, a litany of great openers right yeah, like, yeah, i mean they, we've they're super good at that yeah they um, so are and i think now courage was maybe the most played single uh of of the bunch and it's it's the it was the second single if memory serves correct um i think it was it was smart to throw locked in the trunk of a car out there first to kind of ease them into the alternative realm as well if it's just courage that comes first courage is very light little rock track it's not i don't mean that in a bad way no but it just it doesn't have you know gnarled teeth or anything like that and the the angst of uh the obvious angst of the other music that's happening in 1992 this is a little bit different there's no real verse course verse structure Mm -hmm. um it's jangly it's uh, evil yeah you know (laughs) we don't quite know what it's about no no dusty yeah yeah very dusty uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you're, you're so right. Whereas Courage is very clean. That first chord, you know, that yeah. coming in super bright, yeah, big and bright. And then his vocals are so pushed right mm-hmm. to the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in a nice way. And you know, uh, I, this song just really it just landed with people. And you know, there's Gord there uh, with his Bruins. Yeah, that's right. Uh sweater on for the whole uh, the video and it just it just had a tone with I think this is it's such an enormous moment in their Canadian uh I don't know the love affair really takes off it here. It does. He's wearing a fucking hockey sweater. He's wearing a hockey sweater. He's doing this weird Michael Stipian yeah, his little dance. sort of dance. Yeah, yeah. He's captivating, he's unusual, but he's totally approachable and interesting and yep. mysterious. And it just it's a perfect they really I, it's a shame this didn't go the uh, get, get the push in the states because the execution and order of singles and how they marketed this album to continuously sell it by releasing six fucking singles from it, the timing and order of them was really clever. Um, I don't know if it was intentional, but it worked really well. Yeah. Um, as far as setting a tone, creating some minis- some some mystery, and then a little bit of uh, approachability. Yeah. And then a little bit of like <laughs> strange artistry, and then we get into some real sadness. Um, but yeah, it's 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 quite a nice run of singles, and it really did the right sort of. Uh, it had the right dynamics to really really make this a big consistent selling record totally and when you buy the album you're like oh all these songs are great (laughs) they really are yeah (laughs) (laughs) let's go to track two yes please
I love this song. Yeah, it's great. And it has, and I, you know, when I was a teenager, I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. I just, I took it, I as you do when you're a teenager, everything is internalized and about my emotions of and course. stuff like that. And I, I just had some other thing that I went off with, you know, because the, the beauty of his, his poetry as a lyricist is you can really make it accessible to yourself, you know, and. I heard other things in this song that I, I, I you know, and then when you, as you age with it and you listen to it and like, oh, well, this all connects. He's talking about something. He's, you know, this guy's on an, ad, you know, uh, 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 an adventure and, you know, he's, he's, he's seeking a group of gullible people to exploit. That's right. Pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> what else can you say about it? Uh, nothing because it's, uh, it's, it, it, their song structure has elevated. They really know how to put something together. You got a dynamite solo and all these wonderful lines that really, even if you don't know what he's talking about, like they just land with you. I'll, you know, I'll paint a scene from memory so I'll know who murdered me. What uh, a wow, great lyric. I don't know what, what. <laughs> Oh my God. Yes, yes please. <laughs> paint one for me too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it, it's full of imagery. It's it's full of, of of wry wit and and tragedy. It's it's really something. It's a, it's a nice, it's a nice little uh, rock and roll jam that follows out of courage. And it's like, uh, courage has it's got this great sentiment. It's it it is kind of it does have a, a courageous tone. Not to be a little silly with my language there, but in this this we shift. Slightly, the album flows really nicely in and out of its uh, peaks and valleys of happiness and despair, and hopefulness and tragedies. Because this song starts to, it has a darkness to it that swings us down. And then track three, My goodness, um, this is a lyrical powerhouse song for me. This is <laughs> this, a, this is a phenomenal. And song. yeah, this is I think this is on most people's favorites uh, list. You know, I mean, when when the news came out about Cork and that and the, then the announcement that there's going to be an entry, only yeah. yeah. This I th- I thought about this song and like like thinking about seeing it and watching like when this song comes though, how am I going to feel like? Because this song, you bring something else to the table here. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot on this, and then there's that bridge. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know how to handle that bridge right no. now. No, it's uh, too too difficult. Most, you know. and that bridge is something. I mean, yeah, yeah, great songs from a lot of different eras have a, a moment in them where everyone knows the words. Yeah, if you don't know the words of the rest of the song, it doesn't matter. You know that part. That's right. And this has that thing. It does the sing along. Yeah, they, I mean, if, I die, if I die of vanity, um, and it's fucking fantastic. It purrs along nicely. The lyric uh, imagery of garbage bag trees, and so, uh, uh, whispers of disease, and of course it's whispered. It, there's all these wonderful. It's the second time we've heard of garbage bag trees on this record already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, weird. Yeah, uh, they they have a nice image to them. Uh, and of course, the act of enormity. So it's it flows so nicely. And if it was if you sitting around with your buddies drinking beers, or you're in the car, or whatever the fuck you're doing, with your friends cruising around, and you just hit it in that nice elevating up to the final choruses, it's just uh, it's really something to behold. 
If I die of vanity, promise me, promise me they bury me someplace I don't wanna be. You'll dig me up and transport me unceremoniously away from the swollen sea breeze, garbage bag trees, whispers of disease, acts of enormity, and lower me slowly and sadly and properly. Get Raccoon to sing my eulogy. could have never imagined singing along to that in 1993, the way I did, that less than 20 years later, you know, yeah, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't jive. No, it doesn't. Um, they would often, um, I mean, they still played New Orleans most of the shows that I saw, but on shows that they didn't play New Orleans... They definitely played this song, and sure. this would be the song that would go into the coming out of the the second last chorus. They would bring the guitar down. Gord would go into his story. I saw him do a story once about being a um, being a logger and, uh-huh. and riding on a river uh-huh. with a picaroon <laughs> and talking about like using the picaroon on the logs. Uh-huh. And, and he may have even went into this song that is, um, it's become sort of a underground classic, but I don't know if they, they ever released it or anything, but it was called Purple Paint, I think. Oh, no, I don't know. And it was um, just a fucking killer melody. Hmm. And he's standing there, he's on stage, and he's pretending to be this logger walking on the logs, and he's singing this song about... Um, uh, God, what is it? You put the grounds in the boiling water. The water comes up from above the grounds and the purple paint or something like that. It's just like, (laughs) it's just wonderful. And then they'd bring it down and then he'd be like, if I die of, and then they'd build it up, build it up. Everyone's singing along and holy shit, then you're there, right? Like it's just, oh my God. Really good. Really I mean, in this thing good. that he does, these these interludes. Yeah, that's not a thing. That's not things that people do. <laughs> well, or even more uh, clearly, it's not a thing that people do successfully. No, I agree. Um, and this is a band that, like, they literally are jamming shit out. And I've seen them enough now, where I've seen them back to back nights. Yeah, or three nights out of four. Right. And they do it differently. Right. Or they're building on something. And it's like, holy fuck, they're they're literally writing shit right now. <laughs> and he's just throwing shit out and yeah. it becomes real lyrics. Yeah. And it's I'm sure people try to do this, but it's it's uh, it, you it has to be it has to come naturally to you as artists. I mean, it really has to come naturally for it to work, you know? Like it it is Something that can go so horribly wrong, you oh, know. Oh my God! Like m- actors talking to the camera in movies. Like we all liked it when Ferris Bueller did it, but then Christian Slater in Cuffs, and you're like, "This is terrible." <laughs> <laughs> Stop! <laughs> Fucking quit it! 
Slater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't work out. No. It's you it has it's it's just gotta be the right guy in the right medium with the right story and the right tone and the right timing. And it's just Gord is the best at this thing that I don't think anyone can really do. No, I don't think so. Either. Very unique talent. And it's because it's 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 breathtaking live. And what's crazy is you would remember it. I can yeah. remember because it's not rambly. It, it's clear. No, it's, it's clear. It's right story. there. Yeah, yeah. I it's... remember hearing them, and I'll tell it on a future episode. But I remember hearing him outline what would become um, a head by a century, right? And radically different lyrics. Yeah. But I remember it vividly. I remember it vividly, and it was on the fully completely tour or the. Um, Sorry, the uh, day for night, day for night tour. Yeah. So I'll talk about that episode. Okay, great. But it was fucking uh, wow, Nito. Wow. Yeah. Oh boy. So this is the first track that you really get a sense of how produced this record is. Yeah, this when is a very that clean little, song. When you heard that little, I don't even know what that was, like marimba or something, like that mm-hmm. little clacker yep. thing come in there. Lots yeah. of stuff going on in this song. Yeah, The bass it, is just wonderful, sweeping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very shimmery tune here, yet very dark. Uh, yeah. The tone here really, really goes... Into a dark place, not as dark as a depraved kind of feeling as the luxury has, or anything like that. This is a this is a melancholy kind of dark, uh, and a very unusual song. Very unusual. So, do you do you have a a read on what it's about? Uh, well, it is about incest. Yes, I never. Okay, so I never knew. I always thought it was about Canadian politics. Uh, I really it's thought that it was about too. Canadian politics. It, it, all of his songs are about more than one thing. Sure. Almost, yes. almost the, the all notebook. of them. Coming yeah. back down to the notebook and the cab driver with exactly. chicken, chicken bones. Yeah, it's, but, it's, it's more than one thing. But when but I read the incest thing, about incest. it's like, hoi, yoy. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Um, and this is another song that came out of Storytime. 
um, a monologue that Gord would do, and this just slowly developed into something that he worked into a song. Um, and yeah, I, I, uh, I, I don't even, I don't know how it fits together. I, I wish I had no, a, a great literary, literary analysis for you about how uh, politics and pigeon cameras and uh, American surveillance works into incest, but I, I don't know. No, me neither. <laughs> but it's fucking captivating, and it's a beautiful song. It really is. Um, and when I, uh, when I when I got this album, this was the first song I really latched onto. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I I don't know why. It just there was something about the melody, those chords, yeah, uh, the the sadness of it all. Um, it's just, funny you say that because this is the first song that we played on this record. Like when when we learned how to play. Oh really? This record. This yeah. was the first song that oh, we played. Cause very nice. Same thing. It was like. Something about this song. Yeah, this this might be the one for me. Uh, I got really into this tune. And this is where I went. I was like, I liked the hip. I liked Road Apples. Um, at this point, I still had not gotten up to here. I only had Road Apples. And so I got this. And this track was the one that, like, I was like, I'm I'm really into this band. Yeah. Uh, I you like this a lot. You know what's I'm funny? I'm going to put this one on a mixtape. You uh, brought it up the last record, how much you dug... Paul Langlois' uh, backup vocals on one of the tracks. I yeah. forget what track now. The uh, Three Pistols. Three Pistols, yeah. And this is the first track on this record that that they really play with those backup vocals. Yeah. And uh, like in a big way. Yeah. And I wonder if that has something to do with Maybe it. Maybe it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something. It, it's, it's signature them, to, it to really them, you know? It really is, yeah. has a, a nice effect, and I love yeah. their voices together. It's peculiar. Very much so. <laughs> and wonderful. Um yeah, I I I'm not sure what it is, but uh, this the song just builds in this strange way. I don't know. Which, again, it was not understanding any of the themes, but like I liked the imagery, and there is this weird darkness to it that then kicks off, you know, contingency plan and that that fucking chime, the oh, bell. Yeah, it's it's huge. It's fucking huge. We burned our boots with no contingency plan, yeah. and then just gong. gong. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Well, here's something interesting. I just, uh, uh, there you go. On Canada Day 1990. Okay. Gord famously lit his boots on fire during a huge holiday concert at Barry's Molson Park. When the band returned to play the fi- uh, uh, to play the final Edge Fest in Molson Park some 13 years later, Gord confessed that it was, in fact, his brother's boots, yes. <laughs> which he had torched as many years ago. Sorry. Gord told the assembled mass that his brother didn't quite see the humor in it. Um, well, I could listen to this song. Yeah. Till the till the cows come home. All day long. More, more, more. So wonderful. But we have to listen to, I think, I'm going to call this our first. Yes. I know exactly what you're going to say. She didn't know yeah. on this record. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think it's a she didn't know is officially what we're calling these tracks now. Uh, or I'll be leaving you. Or I'll be leaving you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is, uh, this is Lionized. Billboard press, they don't have a face I know that 
cold wind blowing over your private parts. Man, that's I I, I enjoy that very much. <laughs> Greg, the whole fir- the whole first verse is amazing. Billboard breasts, they don't have a face. Like I mean, why don't I like this song? Like and and I, I say that in the tragic like I again, You like this song, of course. but it isn't like the other ones. No. Yeah. I have the same thing with it. But it's fantastic and it's lyrically wonderful. It's, yeah. it, it it isn't quite as uh, prolific as the other songs in this album. No, um, and it and as far as it being one of the here's your rocker, don't worry about it track, your I'll be leaving you kind of song, it's uh, quite a, a leap beyond those. This is a, a very sophisticated little piece of work here. That bass line is fucking smoking yeah. the whole way through. There's a wonderful little uh, elusive melody going on here. And it's super catchy. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. So it's they're they're giving you the don't you don't have to think too hard. This one we just got some stuff. We're fucking outside. Somebody's naked. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> I think we almost need a shorthand at this point. It's like this is that track. I feel guilty for not loving it. Yeah, but like you said, I'm never fast forwarding it. It, it's going to play. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going to roll down my window. If, gonna it, if it comes along. on the radio, I'm going to turn it up a little bit. Yep. You know? But I don't, you know, it's not making my short list for any, by any stretch. It's a good car song. Speaking and of car songs. Yes, please. Let's just, let's let this one play for just a second because okay. this is just so fucking good. What a, we've talked a lot what a, about this. I know. Song so here it is. A shark. Is that what he says? Yeah, the, the ah. opening. The opening. Only that. Okay. They don't know how old I am. They found armor in my belly. It's about a shark. That's amazing, right? That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like you heard about the found the, the crocodile with the uh, Civil War bulleted and stuff like that. Yeah, they don't know how old I am. They found armor in my belly. From a 16th century. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Isn't that awesome? That's really neat. Oh, uh, rest in peace, yeah. Jesus. You know, um, there's a lot to unpack with this track because this like the all the best ones is about yep. a collection of things sure and I, there's a great quote here from gord about uh this song uh and uh, the song gord said was never about one historical incident it was about trying to evoke the claustrophobic atmosphere around guilt and shame uh wow. it was also inspired by uh, after his reading uh the killer inside me by american author jim thompson uh which is a book that really shook gord it was really uh, intense first-person account of a warped mind. Um, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of criminal ideas in here, and you know things that eat and destroy, uh, and darkness. Yeah, guilt and shame, and it's it's a it's a edgy, nervous song. 
but so confident. Very much so. Just the fact that he uses the word tension three times in that in that beginning that beginning part, right? Where he's literally building tension. Yeah. And he's using the word tension to build tension. Yeah. And then when the band chugga 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 kicks in there, it's like Oh, this is the band. This oh, is yeah. that band. This yeah. is that band that has played a thousand shows back and forth across this country. Yep. They're so tight. They're yep. so, you know, um, they, they just know each other so well. And then the the producer, Tangeridis, <laughs> Chris Tangeridis, <laughs> um, really produces the shit out of this track. You hear that. You hear the bell on that. Um, on that ride symbol or, or hi hat, yeah. so clearly at the top. Oh yeah, and uh, man, I mean, there's at least three significant builds in this song. Yeah. Um, one there we got, and the shift in his vocal where he keeps it nice and low and steady for the first little chunk. Oh, yeah, and he lets it up though. Man, it's just alive, and there's so much desperation. It's just really something. Um, and I watched, I watched the video and I'm like, what's he doing when he pretend to smoke? I'm like, God <laughs> fucking damn, that's the coolest thing I've it's ever seen. The coolest <laughs> thing. I was literally just going to tell the same story. <laughs> it's so cool the way he does it. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah, it was, it was quite a time, man. It was really neat. Like it was, it was, uh, the way we receive music is so different now. It's, I, I wonder if I, I, I hope people remember what it was like because it was neat how we took this shit in and how we had to go buy it and spend our time in the record stores and like, you know, you just watching videos when you had no control over what was in front of you and like waiting to see it. It was, it was such a, a time of anticipation. Oh, uh, and I don't know that there's as much anticipation anymore for these kind of things other than just waiting for something to be out and then it's just all there. Uh, there were, uh, there was something about it, the uh, the, the the mystery and weight, and uh, that just fits nicely with this band and this song for me. That that notion of that time period, um, beautifully put. Um, we better flip <laughs> the we better flip the tape here. Oh yeah, it's the time for side two. Yeah, side two. All right. So what yeah. have we got for side two? The first track of side two is <laughs> is uh, we'll go to we'll go to. song i love this song this is a great song it is a great song it's like you know what this song is it's sort of like the it's an in-betweener it's almost a i'll believe in you but it's not quite but it's not quite it has this different like it has this waltz sort of uh rhythm to it you know uh and yeah 
Yeah, you're right. You're right. And he like big sing along chorus. Big sing along chorus, but I mean, handled by anyone else, this chorus would be terrible. <laughs> this chorus would be fucking horrible. Uh, if you listen, if, if, like if you're if you're if a lot of people are singing along to it, like listen to some, like tune the music out and listen to the people singing, it sounds like shit. <laughs> <laughs> you can easily kill this tune. It's like it's the if you, you're just hitting the wrong uh, the wrong vowel pitch, you fuck it all up. For the what can we do? Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, the what? It's the way you do the what. People go, what? It sounds horrible. Um, it, anyone else handling it? Garbage. But Gord kills it because he's got this way with words. Yeah. And pronunciation. Um, to boldly slap at a face full of nothing. Well, right. Well, and it's, I mean, this that, this song is m- so much more than a I'll believe in you, with lines like that. That's not, uh-huh. that's not, that's not a lightweight line. No, my friend, to boldly slap a face full of nothing. That's fucking. <laughs> yeah. You would like, I want like anyone who's sitting around listening to this right now, like, yeah, yeah, this cool line. Think about that. You're gonna <laughs> think about it later. You mean your car? Like, what the fuck does that mean? It means something. And you'll spend time with it, you know. Like there's there's questions yeah. thrown out here, and the simple songs have really really huge things going on inside them. And uh, yeah, fuck it, man, we'll go too. Um, yeah, this track, uh, this track may be like a grower for me in the time period when it came out. When it came out, this might have been a little light for my tastes because I was getting very into heavy music. Um, and the hip were one of the, the, the little like few carryovers that I held on to yep. as I got really into heavier stuff. I mean, I was listening to whatever everyone was listening to and like fucking I was going Nirvana and Nine Snails and Ministry and stuff. But then that, that, you know, that leads to Slayer and Bad Brains. And I was going the opposite way. For me, it was like much more poppy. And, right. uh, you know, I that that was what I enjoyed, like uh, yeah. Automatic for the People. Oh, I thought yeah. that was well, just I, fucking uh, amazing record. I couldn't agree more. It's a beautiful album. I still listen to stuff like that. I yeah. didn't completely like. I only listen to metal now. See, I was. I got uh, very but I was into like the that. heavy stuff. I was very much like. I only had eyes for the tragic hip at this point. Right, right. And your, I think your assessment of this being a grower is, is right on. My memory is, somewhat damaged, but mm-hmm. I would say, <laughs> that this wasn't one that I, you know, would have went back to over and over again. No. Initially. No. But this would have been one on month three that I would have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This and is I my tell new you what, song. and in year, uh, not not twenty, I was about to say twenty, but this is a much older album than that. Uh, in year twenty five or whatever of this album, uh, uh, this song sounds great to me yeah. now. It's a very mature song. Yeah, um, it's a wonderful little mature rhythm. even. Yeah, mature, and it sets off side two nicely. Um, and I'm super excited to talk about the next song. All right. Let's go to the next song then, because Please, yeah, yeah, I think this is pretty great too. Yeah, the title track. About me, 
measures for and an air. Lover, she simply slammed the door. This, the darkness is returned. This is a, it's an up-tempo song. It's got a nice little kick and beat. That bass line is fucking beautiful. Uh, but there is a deep underlining darkness in this track. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I'm dumbfounded by this. This song, this song makes me dumb. This song is so vast. Mm-hmm. And it fills such a big space. Um, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I don't know what to do with this song. Yeah, this was one of the first songs that I can remember really enjoying. High. Yeah, sure. And you know, like right there, that guitar part. Whoa, fuck. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I maybe maybe I'm. Maybe I'm colored by that still. I don't know, but I don't well, know. Well, it's to got do a lot of magic this. to it. You have this this almost hypnotizing bass line that's carrying the whole thing through. And it's like just cook along beat. And you're just working that beat. There's not a lot of flash to it, but it just, it's just in a really nice pocket, right? And there's this mysterious, urgent, and sorrowful, sorrowful vocal going on here that's full of rage and desperation and regret in a couple of different fashions. How is that even. I don't know, man. This song is is too much. This song is, it's almost too much to handle. It's so fucking good. And yet, is is this song on your top 10 Tragic Hip songs? Yes. Oh, it is. Oh, this is a big E for me. Oh, wow. I go fucking bananas for this song. Okay. And yet we. And the rant off here, this is brilliant. I, I, and the shift in guitar, there's a, turn it up right here. Listen listen to the rhythm guitar go. That's uh, that's fucking intensity, man. And you're right. There is, there is pain and desperation in that last wail. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. And this is just this song feels. There's the there's this. I don't know. You know. Uh, yeah. The, uh, what is it like? Three minutes long? Is yeah. It, it's a short it, one. It's a really short one. And it just but it just gets it gets carries this like simple, not simple, but it, it carries one sort of push throughout but it just gets more erratic and then it becomes this just completely open almost jam um yeah. to, to end it that's so uh just the shackles are off you know yeah agreed and it's, and it's just free and it's mean and intense when that fucking rhythm kicks in there that rhythm guitar is that's a heavy little riff that fucking, yeah it's almost metal ding, ding, it, ding, it, ding, it really ding, is you know that's that's not something they do no and it's really it's very effective and i can just Listen to this song forever. Um, is this your song? Well, I mean, save it till the end. But this song, it's, it's uh, sure, listen, right? it's uh, it's uh, between this and another one. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This song uh, it, lyrically, I just go nuts for a. It's it. There's there's nothing um, too mysterious. I think lyrically in this in this track, I, it's it's pretty on its face for its. Uh, what we're going for emotionally here, you know, um, but it's the execution. It's the execution uh, that I think really sells it. And it's just those buildups, those perfect, you know, um, you're going to miss me. Just wait and you'll see. 
Oh yeah, you know that build, and then the uh, it'll either move me or it'll move right through me. That's uh, and those land so fucking hard. Um, yeah, I think the song. I uh, hmm, maybe of all the songs on this record, yeah. age is the best. Yeah, it's it. It really sounds great today. Yeah, yeah. And the next track is uh, about as big a fan favorite as you could get. I think so. Okay, so I have to say two things. Yes. Thing number one, uh-huh. I'm an Edmonton Oilers fan. Uh-huh. Thing number two, I, I hate the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, no. And yet... And we just lost half of our audience. When this, <laughs> rec- when the, when this record came out, yep. I went out and bought a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey with yep. number five, Bill Barilko. Yeah, Barilko. right on. Yeah. Yeah, Canadian hockey player, Bill, Bill Barilko. Yeah. And I actually have... And I don't have it in my bag right yeah, now. Yeah, okay. I actually have the hockey card. Get the fuck out. Yeah. And it, it says that on the back. It's got the exact lyrics. It's it's not an old card. It came yeah. it came out in ninety one. It was a pro set card. If you remember pro oh, set. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. And uh it's got the fucking lyrics to the song. And I just I have to envision them sitting around and Rob Baker going, I got this riff. Right, right. And he's just yep. plays it over and over again. And Gord's got this fucking <laughs> a hockey card and he just turns it it's literally a paragraph and yeah. he turns that paragraph in a hockey card into one of the most memorable tragically hip songs yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely Crazy. and the story is bananas it is absolutely bananas yeah uh bill barilko played for the leafs died at the age of 24 because he did disappear <laughs> uh and uh the the drought uh in between, uh, in in the time that before his body was found, Leafs win a cup, don't, then nothing. No, nothing. Until the year he's found. And then they win. And then they win again. And they win a bunch. Yeah. Um, and the photo of him scoring this game-winning goal is almost, I mean, it's not as iconic as Bobby Orr, you know, that, Bobby, yeah. that famous Bobby Orr picture. Yeah. But it's of the same ilk. Like, you can see the shot going in, and it's a pretty famous photograph of him scoring this game-winning goal right the year before he goes on a fishing trip yeah and the plane crashes and he's lost yeah like what the fuck yeah how how is this myth how does it go um uncovered before (laughs) this song yeah you know i mean obviously pro set i guess had sure yeah (laughs) uh, like for me i you know i uh, i wasn't a hockey guy at all uh, particularly not in 1992. I'd only been living in Canada for, you know, uh, six years, and the hockey did not make sense to me, um, wasn't interested. Um, followed uh, along because the uh, Hawks you know, were in the cup I, that year. I was but. aware a bit, yeah. I mean, uh, the Leafs are all right around this time period. This is Wendell mm. Clark, uh, Dougie Gilmore. But anyway, I wasn't a hockey guy. So no. this song, for me was just some stuff I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about but it was the but the conviction and honesty 
and passionate about what he's talking about gets through. And so this song resonated for me too, as a person like you, that. I, that's the magic of this: that he took a theme, which is the opposite of what I find interesting, and made it palatable and yep. catchy and thoughtful for me. And then turned the chorus into again a massive sing along about the leather caps that World War One mm-hmm. fighter pilots wore. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. can, you can visualize this thing with the goggles on it and yeah, the whole yeah, nine yeah, yards yeah. there. I mean, when you, if you're not sure, but obviously, if you, if you think about the title of the song, "50 Mission Cap," you can imagine when those are awarded when you complete your 50th mission, which is a hard yeah. thing to do and stay alive. Uh, so it's a special honor. It's a, quite a cap. Um, quite, and yeah, quite, it, quite a cap. Quite a cap. That's <laughs> quite a cap. That's the alternate <laughs> title for the song. <laughs> Yeah, uh, what, <laughs> I mean, I get it with the obsession with hockey and the Leafs in our country and in Toronto. Uh, but this this shouldn't this song shouldn't be this this big. It should or uh, this song shouldn't be this big without being a novelty song. You know what I mean? Like, but it, it's beyond that. It has too much passion. The Barilco story is too crazy. It, it's all it's all perfect myth and story and what the fuck and romanticism yep. and uh, and a bit of history it it's so perfect and this is not a thing that people do again well, the, i mean the leafs are the closest thing that we have to the red Sox or the cubs right you know they're this team that is like uh, i don't know they're celebrated nationwide they're they're glorified and mm-hmm. yet they haven't done it. i'm 43 years old and they've done fuck all in my entire life Your entire you know what i mean life the last time they won a stand the cup there was only five teams they it didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a team, and I almost tied. Oh man, yeah, <clears throat> well, that's yeah, that's that's bad news. Yeah. Should we go into what is arguably this record's biggest song? Biggest song? Yeah. Oh yes, yes, please. And I, ooh, is it? It is, isn't it? I think it might be. Most is, played at parties in my youth. A, this is a campfire song. This Big is a makeout time. song. Oh, this yeah. is a. This is this is a little bit of everything. I wanted to make sure to get the loons in there at the beginning. Oh, so please, I'm turn it up here. Gorgeous. Place. Twenty years for nothing, well that 
nothing new besides No one's interested in something you didn't do It's nice listening to this on nice headphones. It really is, isn't it? Yeah. I hope everyone's at home listening on nice headphones. I'll tell you something. Tangeritas produced the fuck out of that. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's it's really, really nice. And is that the most intricate little bit of uh, rhythm that we've heard from Johnny oh, yeah, Faye? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, thus far? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe ever. Maybe <laughs> ever. <laughs> He's a fine drummer. Um, uh, for those who don't know, We Kings uh, does tell the story of David Milgard, a young Winnipeg-born hippie wrongly convicted of the grisly rape and murder of a Saskatoon nurse, Gail Miller. Keeping in, um, keeping in line with the Tragically Hips... Really great history of writing makeout songs mm. that you shouldn't make out to. No, yeah, not at all. <laughs> you just should not be making out to the song. No, no, no. Think about what it's about. No, but it's so pretty. It's so pretty. It's warm and inviting, and it's just, it's, oh, it's it feels romantic. You just want to fucking fall in love at some, you know, prairie party. Some kind of like you know under bridge party in some small Ontario town. It's just so nice. In his Zippo lighter, he sees the killer's face. Oh my god! Or maybe it's someone standing in the killer's place. Mm-hmm. Twenty years for nothing. Well, that's nothing new. Yeah, nobody's interested in something you didn't do. Fuck! Oh my god! Oh. Yeah, yeah. And so we just got in the last two songs. We got a massive sing along song. Mm-hmm. We got a campfire prom night makeout song yeah that are both heavy heavy canadian uh i don't want to say myths because they're uh, not myths but like no, mythology right a, like yeah, I mythology mean, absolutely in our like you know. holy crap like great storytelling yeah and th- and it's here's the thing too that's so funny like this is you know it's this album is such a statement uh, and I think it's an important one that where Gore, again, leading back to uh, to Courage and Hugh McLennan and Gore making his choice, I'm going to write stories about my country and my homeland and what I am surrounded by and the myths and the realities of that and commits to it. And the album that is supposed to break them in the States is by far at this point the most Canadian thing they have ever done. Song after song is unabashedly Canadian. Yeah, I I think it it stands up as the mo- as the most. It's pre- I guess it's the most Canadian album. They yeah. have maybe some more Canadian songs or something. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I remember. There's always the, something. You know, at um, the time I had created this narrative that that was their way of marking their territory before they broke big. Yeah, you know, because they knew they were going to break big as well, so mm-hmm. they were going to break big, and they wanted to make sure that. They didn't forget their country. Right. Um, I don't think that had anything to do with it not flying in the States because there's nothing about the lead singles that would make you think, like, this is a Canadian band. It's like a Canadian <laughs> thing, and I don't get it. <laughs> um, you know. Uh, uh, so having this album be as big as it is in Canada and about Canada as deeply and passionately and thoughtfully as it is, and it's just silence in America... I feel like this is this. There's this thing where we just we were like, "Don't you fucking worry, we got you." 
Like the fans were just like, I will never ever fucking turn my back on you, buddy. I got you. I oh, feel man. you. I, and I, I the you know, the rest of the world doesn't fucking get it. That that doesn't matter because they're ours. You're bringing me so they're back. Fucking that's ours. exactly how it was. That's you know? exactly how it was. Um, and and that stayed intensified and it stayed strong. And we all like there was a point where like I was like, yeah, maybe this. They had a number of times where I thought this might break in the states. More than their hours, though. More than their hours, you you felt their mind. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're speaking to me. Like, yeah, you got the collective piece, but there was something uh, from an ownership perspective where it's just like, fuck. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, I don't. It, when you like, you feel like you're in a fight with them or something. Yeah. You know? like yeah. In, that there's something they're speaking directly to you and you're just like, nah, there's a, there's a whole magic about this kind of band situation. When a band is bigger than a band, you know? Yep. Yeah. Uh, Wheat Kings. <laughs> is that what we're God. talking about? Uh, so poetically tells this story and it has all these wonderful Canadian things in it that are, that aren't cheesy or overdone or anything like that. A late breaking story on the CBC is just the fucking greatest man. And I heard this song, uh, too many times at parties late at night when people would break out guitars and just play it. (laughs) Um, yeah. And I, it never, I always wanted to hear the real version. I was happy to do that. And, but there was like a point where I'm like, if this fucking guy plays Wheat Kings right now, I'm going to fucking lose my... I'm always playing Wheat Kings. <laughs> I just finished Buffalo Soldier. Now I got to... <laughs> you know, was, <laughs> I, I, I was never a fan of the uh, uh, unsolicited acoustic guitar shakedown at the end of my party at the end of the night. I'm like, oh, I'm not Fair in the mood for this. Fair enough. Just, you know, no one asked you to play. <laughs> Someone has to ask. I know you brought the guitar. <laughs> well, anyway, that's just me being cynical, though. Um, but I, I was never a fan of that. <laughs> no. But you know what actually really kind of blew my mind? Um, I was at, uh, I was, you know, I spent many years uh, uh, managing a bar and music venue and very rarely went out anymore. Especially when I was doing that. When you're working the bars, your schedules, my weekend was Monday, Tuesday, you know? And, uh, just not going out as much, and I very rarely went to parties, particularly with people who were like about ten years younger than me. But the bar was closing down early one night, and uh, uh, my my wife and I weren't married yet, but she was out of town, and so I was like, I guess I could do something. <laughs> so I got invited to go to the, this band's uh, house party after party, and so the other bartender and I went, and it was fine, and everyone was a lot younger than me. Um, <clears throat> this was I, and this was a few years back. So there were uh, I was uh, quite younger myself, but still there was a good ten to twelve eight year age gap in there, you know. And I was just standing around smoking cigarettes like a cool guy, and just like, and you know, I didn't really know anyone. And me and my buddy were like, well, let's probably get the fuck out of here. And but then they started playing acoustic guitar on the back porch, and I'm like, but the, and this and it wasn't an acoustic guitar kind of crowd. It was very, uh, I don't know. It was a little punkier, but an acoustic guitar came out and there was like a, you know, like a Smith song happened and something else. I was like, okay, fine. And I made a comment. I'm like, yeah, they're going to start playing Wheat Kings, right? And uh, (laughs) because 
I spent my whole life doing. And literally ten minutes later, they started playing Weak Kings. <laughs> and I'm like, get the fuck out! This just has never ended. Like this is just it's it's and I and I and it was I didn't feel shitty about it. I wasn't like, oh, they're playing Weak Kings. I was like, yeah, right on, man. Okay. That's great. This is just this is just what we do now. It doesn't matter so. if you're into punk or you're into indie pop or whatever the shit. You you probably if you have a guitar, you know how to play Weak Kings, and you're gonna play it when you're drunk at a party with your friends. That's great, and it's nice. And uh, I don't, again, I don't know if that's what uh, uh, is the intention behind the song about David Milgard and the tragic story of his life. <laughs> it's like uh, making out at the prom is uh, maybe not, but it, listen, it just fits something that's so warmingly Canadian and communal uh between all of us uh, it's a, a perfect song it is the, probably the biggest on the album because it is the i guess the most the, it's the biggest unifier yeah 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 i think so i think so all right Gee and now was that the tragic hip does a wonderful <laughs> um they do this thing where they do those songs they do twos. those songs this is one of those songs my friend and there's two on every record, and here's and here's the <laughs> here's second the other one. Yep, it's the wherewithal. That's right. I don't know, man. Yeah. I don't know. Strong, strong riff. Heavy song. Heavy song. Mm. Great lyrics. Yep. Just doesn't have that je ne sais quoi. No, it doesn't have the mystery. No. But it's a really great rock song. Yep. And Agreed. it's a good, it's another good car song. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I like the wherewithal. Sure. I like it more now than I did. Yeah. In the, in 92. But don't love it. No. No. But it's still great. I don't want to. Uh, you know, like I, I have nothing more to say about it. Honestly. No, no, not too much. It's a, it's got a good chug along. It's heavier than most of their stuff, and it's got a really memorable course. I especially, <laughs> yes, don't like the song because it's before my favorite song on the record. Oh, buddy, nice. And my favorite song on the record is this one. Berlin makes me sexy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Whatever it means, I don't know, but <laughs> no. but I agree. It, means it makes it, me want to go to Berlin. It's a million things uh, to me. Uh, this is my uh, the, the the song that competes with fully completely for me. Okay. This is El Dorado is uh, this is Stone Cold for me. This is my oh, this is the song I take yeah, away for I, sure. I, I deeply love this song. Yeah. A perfect. End song like it's got, I got a genius for evil that makes me common. What? Look, no. 
Fuck you. Retire. Retire. Yeah, just quit it. You know? <laughs> like, you've, you've done it at that point. You're a lyricist, and that's what you've done. You're good. Yeah, you're, you're good. No. Quit. Yeah, there's a tone, and... Now, this song has... It has, uh, there's a, a great deal of confidence to uh, uh, the, uh, the the tracks on this album. And this one, it's a great final track uh, because it does have some of the, the, the dark underbelly. But there's this there's this sly and sinister grin to this song, too. Totally. Yep. Um, it's in a different place emotionally. And it's a nice place to end with this album. There's and, a lot that's happening. And I... <laughs> I don't emotionally it, complex record. I don't think it's a song they played live very often. No. It doesn't it doesn't have that sort of live vibe to it. But I feel like this would be one where if you heard it live you'd be like, fuck, I just got rewarded tonight. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. It's in a funny tempo for like a yeah. live thing, right? And it needs to be subdued. Yeah. Because that 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 beat is kicking along, but it's a really light touch. I don't know if those are brushes or not, I can't quite tell, but it's a really light little hit on the snare, which, right? Which, again, for Johnny Faye, is something that like, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. heavy-handed. He like, is, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, for, for, for good or bad. like Yeah, yeah this is a very slide drum track on this uh, Oh on yeah, this, on, this album, on this track. Um, the the start-stops are really great. You know, there's a nice bit of dynamic that goes on. Here. Love this song. Oh, it's so just beautiful. Bad. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a... You, uh, when you think back to... The raw sweatiness of road apples to this is an enormous change. This is a huge leap. The progressive nature of the the production, yeah, uh, which I don't know if is necessarily the best production for them, but it's huge for uh, what it accomplished uh, yeah. for this record and for this songwriting. But this is the only album that sounds like this. Uh, yes, because from here we again make another big change. We make another big right turn. Yeah. And we start to get the tragic hip that will be what the tragic hip is their for career. the next yeah yeah for the next little bit yeah maybe music at work is a little bit brighter but other mm-hmm. than that it's pretty uh, you know sounds self produced and and just great mm-hmm. so that's fully completely yeah and I feel like. I need a shower. Yeah, I do. Yeah, this is uh, in a good way. In a very nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll shower together. It's gonna be yes, great. Yes, that's how we wrap our podcast. Up. That's right. We invite our listeners to have a shower as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's a. There's a lot that we just got dragged through here. This is. A, I think you said dusty earlier, and this is a dusty record. Yeah, um, and it occasionally gets into the mud a bit too. Yeah, um, it feels like. I, I think that that you know. Uh, locked in the trunk of a car being the, the lead-off single is smart for a lot of reasons, but also that video is perfect. Those dusty roads and those open prairies are really the visual landscape of this album in a big, bad way. Just that's what it feels like. You know, uh, It's a great road album. Um, it's a good road record, and I just want to drive down like uh, big, long stretches of Ontario. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, it's a good road trip record. It, yeah, yeah it, for it's sure. It's a very nice one. It's a yeah. nice transit album. Um, and so yeah. What, so, what are you putting in your back pocket? What are you taking home? Uh, you know, what goes I, on the playlist. I, uh, I, I do. El Dorado is a a big one for me, and that that is one that if I was going to uh, introduce the band to someone, or someone had perhaps their uh, um, 
idea of what the band was based only on the singles or the fans. I might play them El Dorado to be like, yeah, listen to this though, you know. But I my my heart uh, goes with fully completely. Can't the go wrong. You urgency can't go wrong of that. that smoking tune is too much. It's my uh, it's it's grown so well with me over the years, and it was my probably my favorite when I was young, and it's maybe even more so now. I have I, to I have to land with the title track here. I think I would go with Locked in the Trunk of a Car, uh-huh. or mm-hmm. El Dorado. Yeah. But El Dorado was my first favorite song on this well, record, then, uh, yeah. and I'm going to stick with you it. You got to go with your heart, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with my heart. My heart really? will go on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man sized. Yeah. So um, let's do this again. Okay. All right. Fucking deal, man. All right. Yeah. Day for night. Day for night's coming up. That's oh going to be a good God. talk. That's uh, I've kind of been waiting for that one. That's like yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thanks for coming over, man. Pick up your shit. <laughs> Get these keyboards out of here, Jesus Jones. <laughs> Fully and Completely is a modern superior podcast. You can find out more information about the show at www.fullyandcompletely.ca. You can tweet us at at, at. Fully Podcast. Mm. And of course, you can find uh, more information about our show and many other fantastic shows at www. Dot modern superior.com. <laughs> I came in there for that. That's awesome. <laughs>